Abdullah, this is absolute gold. No one's talking like this on any podcast. Dear listener, we watch Money Heist on Netflix and films like Lyft, but it's all small fry in comparison to the heist that began on the plains of South Africa at the turn of the 20th century. You see, we cannot understand what's happening today unless we understand what really happened during the Boer War, for it laid the groundwork for a heist that would take 50 years to complete in full, a project of such massive misdirection that it makes the likes of David Blaine look like a kid performing magic at the annual school talent show. Over the course of these podcast shorts, I'm going to outline the scenes of a heist story that actually happened, in broad daylight, on a global scale, a heist that affects every single human living on the planet today. And perhaps one day it will become a Netflix drama in itself. So let's begin. In the late 1800s, South Africa stands at the brink of war. Diamond and gold rushes have heightened tensions between the British Imperial forces and the Boer Republics in the north of the country. A young diamond merchant arrives in South Africa on behalf of his cousin, a major European banker, to assess the lay of the land and find his fortune. Boer guerrilla fighters lay siege to British strongholds who suffer heavy losses, and war breaks out. The young merchant sends reports back to his banker cousin in London, who hatches a plan to profit from the conflict. London is worried. Britain was already defeated in the First Boer War, and another defeat could lead to fragmentation of the empire. Defeat is not an option, but sending a large expeditionary force to the southernmost tip of Africa is no cheap endeavour either. The banker uses his political networks in London to increase support for a large military expedition and then approaches the government, dressed as the saviour, offering loans to fund the expedition but all on one condition. After all, it is a big risk. He gets all the mining concessions. The deal is done, and a British expeditionary force, 400,000 strong, gathered from across the empire, arrives in South Africa. It is led by the Lords Roberts and Kitchener, but they are under heavy pressure from London to succeed. The empire simply cannot afford another loss, and even less so, with their new debt. Desperate to defeat the Boers as quickly as possible, the British proceed to implement scorched-earth tactics, destroying Boer homesteads, burning their crops, and killing off their livestock. At the same time, Lord Kitchener and his soldiers start hunting Boer women and children, as if for sport, in turning them into the world's first concentration camps dotted across the country. While the war is at full throttle, the diamond merchant uses the chaos to move around the country, prospecting the land in search of the best mining spots. Meanwhile, the British concentration camps become cesspools of malnutrition, disease and death, with their farms decimated, their means of survival cut off, and the death toll of Boer women and children sitting over 27,000. The Boer militias are forced to submit, and the British formally annex the Boer republics into the Cape Colony. The Boers are allowed to govern their people, but under the dominion of the British Empire. There are no discussions on the mines, or the resources, because of course that has already been decided. The British High Command walk off, victorious, into the sunset. 
unaware that their empire will never be able to pay off the debt of their great expedition. And the young merchant, with concessions in hand and funds from his cousin, watches over his huge mining operations across the northern parts of South Africa, extracting the resources for himself and sending them off to his cousin's vaults in Europe. But the victims of yesterday become the executioners of tomorrow. Cut to the 1940s. The Boer descendants introduce apartheid, putting the nation's masses into a new brand of concentration camp, but this time based on skin colour. The same families are extracting the country's wealth and moving it overseas. Cut to the 1990s. Apartheid falls, the people are given democracy, and Nelson Mandela is elected president. The same families are extracting the country's wealth and moving it overseas. Cut to 2024. South Africa is collapsing under the weight of a failed democratic experiment, and the masses are interred into the mental concentration camps of extreme poverty and lack of education. The same families are extracting the country's wealth and moving it overseas. The power nexus has not changed, but this is only the beginning. Stay tuned for part two. Yours sincerely, Abdullah Dutton. <laughs>